Oh my god, I've got a kamikaze airplane heading towards me and I'm thrilled! <laughs> I've got a cruel dong. Game Sight! Hello there, welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast where each day we look at all the things that have happened historically on this day and we pick a couple of them and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have hewn two canoes out of the oaks of history and are racing them downstream towards the waterfall of entertainment. Where we will die. We will perish. <laughs> that waterfall. <laughs> On the shards of your indifference yeah. that lie beneath. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am going to take you to the 9th of April, 190. 190. When Dong Zhou burned the capital of his kingdom to the ground. A year earlier, in 189, Emperor Lin of the Han Dynasty had died and there had been a struggle for power uh, in which all the eunuchs were massacred. Um, Lots of people tried to take the throne. But Dong Zhu... That seems very unfair. Like, eunuchs have a bad time of it as it is, don't they? They'd already... I mean, what really... What threat did they pose, the eunuchs? Yeah. Kept the wrong bit. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure in this day and age you can say that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely cannot. Uh, so in, in one ninety, uh, Dong Zhou took over. <laughs> so, so very right. Uh, Dong Zhou took over, but there was a group of regional warlords who opposed him, and they marched on his capital. And rather than let them have the capital, he set fire to the whole thing and burned it to the ground. And said, "How? Wow. How's that?" Then he moved everyone to Chang'ai, which is Xi'an today. Um, and he was not a very nice person. If Dong Zhou took you as a prisoner, he would have you tied up um, and then wrapped oh, in go. fat-soaked clothes and would start a fire on one of your feet so that you could enjoy your screams as you burned to death from the feet up like a candle. Gorgeous. Uh, he used to hold lavish banquets at which he did the following to his captives. He oh, would... dude, why? Well, you've, gone, you've gone very tortury lately. I know I have. <laughs> Well, this one, he cuts out their tongue first so they don't ruin people's meals. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the rest of what happens to that. It is too grim. But yeah. it's not nice. No. Uh, and the <laughs> Wikipedia page says, the audience was said to have experienced a high degree of discomfort. Not as high a degree of discomfort as the person who was succumbed to, who had to put up with... Oh, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, they... <laughs> Yeah, go on. <laughs> Having cut out their tongue, he then cut off their arms and legs and had their eyes put out whilst keeping them alive so you could hear their wow. screams, then threw them in boiling oil, uh, pulled them out of boiling oil, rolled them up into a meatball and put them mid- in the middle of the banquet table as a meatball. In two years, he had thousands okay. of public servants executed. Um, he had a personal bodyguard called Liu Bu, um, who one day he threw a hand axe at after an argument. Now, I think if you've got a bodyguard, don't throw hand axes at them. No. Because the next, did, time, did he came back into, the next time he came back to the castle, um, he got met by his bodyguard and 12 cavalrymen who stabbed him repeatedly and he shouted out to Liu Bu to help him, um, to which Liu Bu just looked at him and said, no, you threw a hand axe mm-hmm. at me, you twonk, or words yeah. to that effect. Um, I mean, the hand axe thing, you know, this is the problem. Not enough empathy going on. No. 
Precisely. Stood by while people are having their tongue chopped out and their no, but don't throw arms one at me. lopped off. Like, you chuck an hand axe at me, mate. No. Well, he wasn't much better. He went on to kill all of Dong's family, including oh, his 90-year-old oh, mother. So, you know, it's not... It's, that's That was the 9th of April, 190. Great times. Good time. A party town and a lot of fun. Great, great. Thank you. Uh, okay, well, I've got the 9th of April, 1937. Ooh. 1937. And a kamikaze plane mm. arrives at Croydon Ooh. Airport in London. Yes. Uh, it's not a kamikaze plane as we would think of it nowadays. Um, it is the uh, first Japanese aircraft to fly to Europe. And uh, he did it in 51 hours, 17 minutes, 23 seconds. Mm. A Masaki Inuma. Uh, and uh, it was one of those things, you know, in those days in the 30s, it was all newspapers giving prizes for the first long distance flight from one place to another yeah. place. Be the first. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, a French newspaper had offered a substantial monetary prize for the first aircraft to fly between Paris and Tokyo within 100 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, it was close enough. Croydon will do. Uh, I think you'll agree. I, I took uh, my partner for a romantic weekend to Croydon and she loved it every bit as much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they were the first ones to do it. Um, and of course, getting a long-range aircraft was uh, a, a great thing for linking the Japanese home islands with uh, mm-hmm. other Japanese territories as there were then, Taiwan, Korea, Manchuria, and the South Pacific Mandate. But of course, uh, military implications uh, made it very, very interesting and very useful. <laughs> so... Mankind. I've never seen a technological innovation I can't use to hurt somebody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, that flight was sponsored by the Asahi Shimban newspaper, and it was to celebrate the coronation of King George VI yeah. and a goodwill flight to European countries. Can you believe it? I can. Well, well then. Exciting. Well, it's, I'm... it's the only kind of kamikaze plane that you'd be happy to see arriving. That's all I'm saying. But you would be in Croydon at the time, so you'd be less happy by definition. Well, you'd hope it was a real kamikaze plane. <laughs> Something end this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, I had a real decision here. Do I do Rachel Stevens or <laughs> is a Mark Kingdom Brunel? <laughs> no brainer, mate. She is. How don't call her that. She doesn't like being called that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did it Mark Kingdom Brunel. He was <sighs> winner of the Best Incredibly Tall Hat competition, 1845, born in 1806. Two. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he built dockyards. He built most of the Great Western Railway. He built the first propeller-driven transatlantic steamship. He built bridges. He built tunnels. He built the first tunnel under a navigable waterway. He built the SS Great Britain. Um, Rachel Stevens probably still features more in most people's minds, but he wanted <laughs> to extend the Great Western Railway with steam-powered ships, so you would drive up to the most westerly parts of Britain get on a steamship, put the train on a steamship that would then steam across the Atlantic Ocean and he wanted to expand the Great Western Railway into America. That's awesome. He also invented the first pneumatic trains and had them working. Wow. Between Exeter and Newton Abbott, the Great Western Railway wasn't a steam railway, it was a pneumatic railway. Amazing. 
amazing. Trains ran is that what Elon Musk is doing at the moment? I think so. Very similar. The trains yeah. ran at 68 miles an hour, but it was just more expensive um, to run than coal. It had a vacuum pipe. Yeah. One, and That's it exactly just what Elon Musk train. is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who did it in 1847? The problem was, f- to make the vacuum tubes back then, um, you had to hold them together with leather, leather, which you softened using tallow, which meant that rats loved to eat them. Um, uh, and also, when it froze, they would essentially shatter. So right. they lasted one winter, and then they went to replacing all those leather fixings, places where the pipes yeah. join each other. It's too expensive, let's go back to just using steam trains. But he invented it and had it run. If you had got on the train from Exeter to Newton Abbott in 1847, you had been running on a pneumatic train. Uh, I remember saying to my friend at the time, this feels very pneumatic. <laughs> he also admitted prefabricated hospitals for the Crimean War, so he prefabbed hospitals which they could just send out and put together in a matter So he of invented days. MASH? Yes. <laughs> That's not quite the same thing, sorry. Uh, and the Clifton Suspension Bridge and the Iron Bridge, and that's it. The end. Probably, if you look around, if there's a big bridge, it's probably him. Yeah. That's good. I have a death. Mm-hmm. Sir Clough Williams Ellis. Ooh. An architect who mm. designed Port Merion. Oh. So if you've seen The Prisoner, uh, yeah. he designed the village that that is based in. Uh, repeatedly denied claims that it was based on Portofino on the Italian Riviera. Uh, I mean, he did... No, no, no. He did once say, uh, how should I not have fallen for Portofino? Indeed, its image remained with me as an almost perfect example of the man-made adornment and use of an exquisite site. Well, which is it then? (laughs) Cluffy! So it took him 50 years. 1925 to 1975, it was was still happening. And... uh, worked it all in there and he died in 1978 which is three years after he'd finished it at the age of 94 so when they made the prisoner presumably it wasn't finished then he's still no. he's still adding bits no, it was it was still happening yeah i think he just couldn't leave it alone yeah. you know, he's just like a train set he couldn't yeah exactly. i mean what uh, stewart says he's finished his train set he hasn't he'll be yeah, back up in that attic finishes. yeah <laughs> just one more and, little station aside and why not yeah. and why not uh, in accordance with sir clough williams ellis's wishes he was cremated. Mm-hmm. His ashes went to make up a marine rocket, which mm. was part of a New Year's Eve firework display over the estuary at Port Merion about 20 years after his death. Oh. So, round about turn of the century, uh, that was his ashes. Is that because it bang. suddenly became legal to use ashes as fireworks, or was it just... <laughs> no idea. Had it been in the pile of fireworks every year? Should we use the dad one? No. Uh, <laughs> it's not time. It's not time. Where did you get those fireworks? I've just found a pile of them in the corner. No, not those ones! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what he wanted. Lovely. Yeah. Well, That's it from us for today. <laughs> and we'll be back with another day fight tomorrow. Yes, we will. Uh, if you've just joined us, welcome along. It's really lovely to have you here. Yes. Uh, you can subscribe and share if you if you if you like. Mm. I mean, we're just sort of delicately leaving it there, like a plate of biscuits. Yes. Or you can uh, uh, get involved on social media at uh, on Twitter. It's at date underscore fight, and on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash date fight. Oh, he's very good at that. I've been so bad at that lately. That they don't listen. Anyway, oh, they do actually. They did. Everyone played the game the other day. We've got lots of responses on um, religious serials, which we should go oh, through. Oh, did tomorrow. we? Yeah, we'll go through them tomorrow. Let's go. That through sounds them. brilliant. Let's do that. Yes. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.